to a cool episode of the Whitney Whiskey. K E W L. Eh? Eh? Cowabunga, dudes. Now, see, again, that was 87. Not when I was watching it. See, now if you went Hasta La Vista, baby, <laughs> you know. Uh, or was it Terminator 2 in the, in the 90s? That might have been the 80s, too. Shit. Yeah, well, the, the 90s don't totally suck. We're going to talk about some good things today on the Wit & Whiskey. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm Mark Rossetti. I'm here with DJ Gagnon. hey And uh, uh, we're both alive now. I was sick, then DJ was sick. And he's kind of still sick, but he's going to tough it through for you folks. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're rallying today. Um, the, uh, the New Hampshire state tree is the white birch, and it, it has decided to crawl up my nose and try to melt my face. So um, I, I don't recommend getting allergies, folks. It sucks. Uh, weirdly enough, the white birch is not one of the 48 uh, plants indigenous to the United States of America. 4,800, rather, indi- plants indigenous to the United States of America that I'm allergic to. And it makes a pretty good beer. So Does it? Yeah, white birch beer. Oh, birch beer. Yeah, I love birch beer. You have your white, you have your red, and you have your blue. So I, I've, I've just had birch beer. I, I didn't know there was different kinds. Oh, yeah. Well, there's different colors. What color has been the one that you've had? I guess white. Yeah, because New Hampshire, baby. Right. I'll get you some blue the next time you come in. All right, sounds good. We're going to be talking about lots of funky colors, pastels, different dyes in food, different floating things in food. Mm. Um, I'm amazed we all survived the 90s, to be honest with you. Seriously. Before we get to that, uh, aside from dying, what did you do this week? Oh, man, allergies were just so bad. I, I really wanted to rally... Uh, the week before, but there was just no way. I was down and out. <clears throat> um, I, I'm attempting to not cough this whole time here. Uh, but other than that, it it's just been a whole lot of getting the house ready for, you know, a tiny human. Um, we, let's see, as of the day we're recording this, we're now in week 22. So uh, the, we're on the, I guess we're on the downslide of the pregnancy, though I, I'm sure it's going to get more intense as we go. Like, can you bowling ball Holly around now? Because, like, you know, she's pretty small. Like, has she just gone full, you know, gym medicine ball? Uh, she definitely has a very noticeable baby bump at this point. Um, the cool thing this week was that uh, Holly a- actually started being able to tell when it was indigestion and when the baby was moving. <laughs> so, yeah, no, she definitely, she'll just be sitting there and be like, oh, the baby's moving again. I'm like, that's cool, but I can't feel it yet. Well, it'll be there soon. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, I think our next appointment is at like 32 weeks, so it's it's a ways to go before our next one. Yeah, it's good, though. Less doctors is always better than more. Yeah, uh, I it did officially get hot as balls uh, in New Hampshire. I don't I don't know how it's been in Pennsylvania, but oh god, yeah, yeah. I um it, we we went from uh, mud straight into summer. Uh, I don't really <laughs> think it's supposed to be summer yet. Um, but like I looked outside today because like today is one of the first days I'm really feeling like a human again. And uh, I realized, oh, fuck, I got to get my lawnmower out and stow my, my snowblower for the, the summer. So, um, yeah, 
aside from pollen season going crazy, it, it hit like mid nineties at some point this week. And I just said, fuck it and turned on the, the central air in our house. I had to put the air conditioner in the bedroom window uh, today, actually. Uh, I was not enjoying that. It's a piece of shit and I hate it. It, it shouldn't even say it's a piece of shit. It, it works fine. It's just, it's one of those shitty ass designed ones that like they sit on the floor and you run the tube out the window. I feel like you complained about this last year. I, yeah, how is the tube that bad? Is bullshit. The tube is bullshit. Why? It doesn't mount properly. It has these little plastic tabs on it that if you so much as look at them the wrong way, they just, they don't even break. They just shatter like a grenade. Mm. And then you're like finding little shards of plastic for months, which normally isn't a problem, but we have a fucking cat now and he'll eat anything, including plastic. Don't you have like an auto shop? Yeah, but can't you like rig something else? Well, I mean, I had to MacGyverize it today just to get it going. Um, Because like, I don't actually care. Like it was in the mid 80s most of this week. I don't actually care. I love the heat. I'm a a summer guy. Uh, But I feel bad for, you know, him because he's got fur and you can't really do anything about it. So got to make it cool for the kitty. Yeah, Uh, I I agree. I I stand with Rob Romulus. Yeah. Uh, But I took the Cosworth out this weekend. Uh, Well, this week, actually. Uh, Drove that all week. I had not even so much looked at it since like December 9th or 10th or whenever the fuck it was I put it away. Got in it, started it right up, pulled it out, and just tooling around in that. I will say I understand now a little bit better some of the complaints uh, that there were because, of course, it was a disco-era supercar. And, you know, in the disco era, they had no real horsepower. So they were trying to do, you know, any ways they could to make a performance vehicle and a driver's vehicle. So on the Cosworths, you couldn't get manual steering, or you couldn't get power steering, rather. You couldn't get power brakes. You couldn't get an automatic transmission. You also couldn't get air conditioning, which in of itself is not really a big deal. But you also could only get the car black on black. Wow. So riding around this week, you know, dressed for work uh, in an all-black car in the 80-degree heat, I kind of got some, some of the complaints. I understood them a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is, so we'll persevere. Uh, May 31st, they're coming. The, all the foundation and the driveway and everything is done for the garage. We're just letting it doubly cure and doubly harden. And then May 31st, the actual structure is going up. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, a little bit less than, what, 16 days, 17 days, something like that. So, who boy. That's exciting. So, <laughs> whose car goes in first? Uh, presumably whoever probably gets there first. Uh, I mean, he poured his side of the, the garage first. Actually, neither one of them is really going to go in first once it's up because I have to, I'm buying the epoxy kit and I'm going to epoxy the floor and you have to do that one bay at a time. And then once it's down, you can't park anything on it for 72 hours. Wow. So what uh, is an epoxy kit? Basically, it's like a type of paint that like seals and hardens and then coats. So basically the floor is basically going to be like a nonstick pan. Mm. And we won't get like stains and different things on it once it's dry. Like if you fuck it up before you put the thing down and you dry it, then you're just fucked. Um, But once it's dry, it's basically like what they put in high level uh, commercial shops. That's pretty cool. So, 
How long does that last? Uh, the old man will be dead by the time it has to come up, so long enough. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I can do it. You know, he's, he's only got, what, another 15 years left, 20 years left, something like that. So, uh, That's so sad. <laughs> well, you know, you got to be I mean, realistic. let's be honest. Your dad's going to outlive all of us. Yeah, him and Keith, Richard and Keith Richards and three cockroaches. Yeah. Um, so, all right, uh, speaking of outliving all of us, what in the fuck are you drinking? I see it on, on our show notes, but I just explain. <laughs> uh, okay, so I am drinking ammunition, uh, straight rye whiskey uh, that was aged in Pinot Noir bottles. Barrels. I mean, fuck. with a name like... Amuda- ammunition. I want to say ammunition. I'm thinking of Grand Theft Auto. Mm. With a with a name like ammunition, I was not expecting you to go. Oh yeah, and it was in Pinot Noir. Yeah, right. Uh, I didn't expect it either. So I, I it took me forever to find this, um, but there is a winery called Daylight Wine and Spirits out of California, uh, and they have a bunch of wines underneath them. They've got ammunition, Badger Hound, Mister Moody's, and Trollop wine. Uh, and they, I guess they get into spirit making. So they own, uh, the ammunition whiskey distillery and they also own the, I feel like I've heard of this, but I don't, I don't, I don't know where I would have heard of this. The Sonoma brothers distillery. I don't know if that, if that rings a bell for you. It sounds like something I would find in a mall and not actually a distillery, but whatever they do. Sonoma does like uh, gins and brandies and has a whiskey as well. Uh, but ammunition has a bourbon and a rye. Uh, and I believe they're both a, it, they're both cascaged. Uh, I didn't really look at the bourbon, but uh, I guess that's, oh, the bourbon is aged in, in Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. Jesus Christ. So, uh, I saw it on the shelf and I tend to let you buy the ones that just sound overtly American, you know, like redemption or something like, I don't know. I haven't gotten rebel yell yet because I figured you were going to pull it off the shelf. Oh, I reviewed that already. Oh, did you? Okay. I I couldn't, it's been five season folks. Um, so I, I waited, uh, like, most like five episodes now, six episodes into season five uh, to see if you would get ammunition out near where you are. And I just decided, decided to pick it up. So uh, it's pretty good. It's got that rye bite, but it's got that like aged cascaded complexity that I tend to like. So it, it's, a, it's the best of both worlds. I will say the cascade on the rye definitely mellows the rye out a little bit. So I don't know if you'd like it quite as much Mark. It's, it's not quite as burny as I'm sure you tend to like your 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 rise. You gotta have that good rye bite. Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's it's definitely get the burn. The burn doesn't seem to last too too long. Um, but I'm definitely getting that really dry wine taste behind it. So I tend to like things that are more like sherry cask aged. And this is definitely closer to, like, a port age. Like, it's definitely dry. It's got that red wine kind of tannin-y quality to it. But it's interesting. I like it. I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's uh, it's only, um, like, 40 bucks or so, I think, on sale. 
So definitely check it out it. if you if you can find it. I can't argue with that. I was trying to see what the proof was. Uh, it is a ninety-five rye and five percent malted barley. In case you care. Well, I'm just gonna have to say that I done taught you. <laughs> you did. What are you drinking? Well, you know, here we are. Uh, KW&W Radio all rise all the time. <laughs> um, you may have remembered, I can't remember if it was in the Toast and Whiskey off-season special for this year or if it actually was in episode one of season five, but I talked about Whistlepig partnering with David Ortiz. You did. For a limited run of their uh, piggyback rye that is being uh, aged with... Baseball bats. Mm. And I was able to get into the pre-sale. I was able to get one of the less than 25,000 bottles uh, that was released to the public. And wouldn't you know who on the pony, uh, in the off week while you were dying of the plague, it came in. So dark clouds, silver linings, and all that. That's amazing. Uh, This is aged six years. It is 97 proof. Which is just weird. It's actually ninety six point like six nine five whatever the hell it is, but you round up, uh, and it's one hundred percent rye, uh, single barrel, uh, and then the barrels, as I said, have some of the ashen maple wood of the Do thirty four bats, and that's actually what this is. This is the Whistle Pig Piggyback Do thirty four is the actual official title. Uh, this is pretty rye on the finish, but overall it's actually pretty balanced. Interesting. Now, as I take another swig of it, you're probably saying to yourself, well, the baseball bats, that's just a gimmick. They probably don't affect the flavor at all. And yeah, you're probably right, but they claim in the official, uh, promotional materials that they toasted the maple wood of the bat, and that had a smoothing, calming effect during the final six weeks of the distillation process. Whoa. And you can kind of see that, because while it does have that good rye bite, well, it does have a good burn, because, I mean, this is 100% uh, rye and damn near 50% alcohol, the start is pretty sweet. It's almost like like a desserty taste, like almonds and cream and creme brulee, kind of. And then you get the good spice, then you get that good rye bite, and then it just peppers off at the end. So it didn't smooth off the finish at all, but it definitely smoothed the whole thing. It definitely made it a little bit more uh, complex than I ever expected it to be. Uh, and it's rye, so I'm naturally inclined to like it. And it's a Red Sox guy, and so I'm naturally inclined to like it. Uh, it was $60, which for Whistlepig is not bad. And uh, supposedly the 25,000 bottles or 24999 or however the fuck many they made, supposedly they're all sold out, uh, but they're still available on secondary markets. So if you're interested, you still can find some, although you probably won't be paying the 59.99 MSRP. That's, yeah, yeah, fair. Speaking of things that are really hard to find, it's not nearly as cool as this whiskey, but did you hear about, I I feel like I want to mention this because it feels very 90s to me, but did you hear about Tropicana Crunch? Did we talk about that yet? We did. Okay, 
Uh, so I did try to get a box. It was hella sold out. <laughs> and so I went on eBay and they've got guaranteed orders that start at like $95. And I gotta be honest, I have considered it. I mean, every now and again, sometimes you just gotta say, fuck it, let's go. So for our four listeners out there, if if you find a box and you want to send it out our way, just feel free to hit us up at wittenwhiskeycast at gmail.com. I'm a little amazed you haven't put it on your baby registry. I would have if it was and if it was on the Amazon or Target stores. I'm amazed Amazon doesn't have any in like the pantry or anything. Nope. I've had a Google alert for it for a while. Well, that's disappointing. It is. All right. Well, what are we doing for tools of the trade? Well, for the 90 shit. Yeah. For tools of the trade, I figure we could talk about. you know, we're having this cocktail revival here in the, uh, you know, the, the, man, it, it must have been going for 10 years at this point, right? Um, and as part of the cocktail revival, we're starting to bring back 90s cocktails. But like a lot of things you're going to find when we discuss them in the 90s, a lot of 90s shit was extreme. So uh, people have been... Bringing, next, mind you. Huh? Capital X. Yeah, yeah, Capital yeah. X. Capital Xtreme. Um, so I, I wanted to highlight some of the kinds of things that, well, probably not Mark and definitely not me, but you know, maybe our parents were drinking in the nineties. So, uh, before I get into the actual cocktails, um, I feel like the big, uh, bottled thing that was really popular were wine coolers. And I can't confess to ever having one. I don't, I don't know what they are. I don't know what they, they taste like. Basically, okay. Um, you know, like the Trulies and the White Claws yeah. and shit like that. Basically, imagine that, but they're like really bad, fruity wine flavors. <laughs> yeah. I, but, and, and they're not carbonated. Yeah. I don't know. My dad used to drink them... Uh, I, I can't say all the time, but that used to be his go-to for a while. Um, and then it kind of got into a lot of frozen drinks. The, these weren't particular to the 90s. They existed well before this, but I feel like boozy milkshake-type drinks or, or boozy, like, fruity drinks were still pretty popular. So, you know, your pina coladas, your strawberry daiquiris. Um, m- my dad used to get, like, strawberry daiquiri mix in a can and make... Uh, stra- like virgin strawberry daiquiris for my brother and I. So that kind of shit happened. And then we get into the actual cocktails. So uh, the 90s was the time of Sex and the City. So the Cosmo was wildly popular. Sure. Uh, as were uh, Apple Teenies. They kind of popped up uh, in, in, into prevalence in the 90s. And, and it's also kind of where we get things like the espresso martini and the things that Mark and I stick our nose up at and say, mm, that's not really a martini. All of the 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 flavored teenies uh, w- were definitely big 90s things. Uh, the lemon drop was popularized in the 90s. Uh, and we also got jello shots. I, All right, see, I like those. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I did have, uh, I've seen jello shots a billion different ways. I've seen them made in shot glasses. I've seen them made in little jello molds. I think the most fun way I've ever seen a jello shot is somebody got, um, you know, those like food grade syringes that you can inject like salt water into meat or something with. Oh yeah. Somebody made jello shots in those. Oh yeah. We, uh, Lou and I, senior year, we were hanging out with some young ladies at Endicott who were nurses. Uh, they were nursing students, and they walked away with stuff from their labs. So we had needleless syringes, and Lou, being the mad scientist he is, you'll, you'll have to uh, uh, have him tell the story one night, but he figured out what the boiling point of vodka is. Oh, Jesus. So he made jello shots with no water. Oh, God. <laughs> he just used vodka every step. <laughs> That's amazing. It was glorious. The cleanup, uh, as we began chasing each other around, squirting uh, the dozens and dozens and dozens of syringes at each other, the cleanup the next day sucked. Uh, but it was a fun night. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and then other things that were really popular, the White Russian was popular back then. Um, uh, a Dirty Martini kind of came on the rise. I don't know why. It's not wonderful. Um, but also the, the Long Island Iced Tea, uh, you know, all sorts of crazy cocktails there. It, basically, uh, anything that was made popular by the movie Cocktail was big in the 90s. Even though the movie itself wasn't in the 90s, it definitely influenced 90s culture. So that's yeah. Tools of the Trade this week. Pretty pretty quick, but I figured rolling right into our topic, you know, I, that, that would be a good way to, to launch us into it. It's a good way to... Good, good, good theme for today. And, uh, I mean, like you said, a lot of those are still popular. A lot of those are making a comeback. Uh, you fucking triggered a memory... Uh, I had with the jello shots there, so. <laughs> oh, Lord. So our topic. We don't get to do whiskey news today? Didn't we just, oh, I'm not with it, man. I'm still <laughs> only like 80%. Let's do, let's do whiskey uh, news. What do you got? I mean, it's going to be another quick one because it's gross. Uh, oh, God. But, but we're, we're tying into, uh, you know, I had a limited special edition rye that I reviewed today, and there's another limited edition uh, rye out on the market, but this one is a little different. <laughs> it's made by the folks at Country Crock, who is a margarine company, for those of you not aware. Uh, when I first found this headline over the weekend when I was doing the research for the episode, I read it too quickly and thought it said Country Time. And I thought it was a weird rye whiskey lemonade hybrid. And then I clicked the link and said, oh, my God, it's so much worse. Uh, so, yes, they uh, are doubling down because, you know, they were probably, again, in the 90s. This all ties together. Uh, they were ahead of the curve by their own self-promotion in that it's non-dairy-based margarine. So uh, they're trying to keep going with this, you know, non-dairy cred, and so they're going to go with farmers, and so they're looking at new other plant-based products, and technically, whiskey is plant-based. We always talk about the mash bills on this show. Mm. 
So they have created a cover crop, is what it's called. Uh, and they proudly announced that it's the only whiskey with the official Country Croc seal of approval. Uh, because apparently it is bringing awareness to sustain- sustainable farming practices. Uh, it also features in the mash bill not just rye, but soybeans. Ooh. Yes. That's not um, great. Uh, the problem is that they're actually trying to use this monstrosity to plug a good cause. They're talking about crop rotation soil erosion, uh, harvest fatigue. And so Country Croc has recognized an opportunity to help educate farmers and the public on a sustainable solution. Cover crops, like cereal rye found in most commercial whiskeys, are plants grown in between harvested crops to improve soil health by returning nutrients, minimizing pests, and increasing the soil's overall water retention. Uh, So, I mean, it's actually a really good cause... I don't love the fact that they advertise it as being buttery smooth. And apparently most of America agrees with me. There are apparently only 500 numbered bottles that were made. They're still available. (laughs) I have the website up in front of me. (laughs) Uh, It's $45 for a bottle uh, and I actually was sitting here while you were doing Whiskey News. I was debating whether or not I wanted to put myself through this for the good of the uh, program. Uh, but you know what killed it, aside from everything I just mentioned? What? $25 shipping. Oh. So, no, I'm not paying $70 for butter whiskey, butter and <laughs> soybean whiskey. I do love that the first review on the site is five stars for item arrived very quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, there you go. If you really hate yourself, I'm not going to pull a DJ and ask you to send us a bottle. Don't. Uh, <laughs> but if you really hate yourself and you want to try it. Uh, please, uh, please send one straight to uh, the 1821 Studios at the mm. Witten Whiskey Cast. Oh, God. All right, now we can go on to our topic. All right, sweet. So the 90s were a lot. The 90s were, you know, how, how do they, what do the kids say? Too much? Is that, is that what they, what are the kids saying today? I think they say it's a lot, Mark. Do they? Yeah. No, I don't know. What? Go get, pause the recording now, go downstairs, but... Ask Holly's stomach what the kids say. <laughs> I whatever. Don't and think whatever the, the kid's gonna know. Whatever the kid tells you, that's what the kids say. I don't think the baby's gonna know. But we could be ahead of the curve. We could. All right. So you and I picked a lot of the same topics, but we also picked a couple different ones. We did. Um, do you want to start with the ones that we did that were the same? I think so. All right. Because so. whatever, we may have picked some similar topics, but we do not have the same things in them. No. So, okay. Uh, well, I'll let you pick. What do you want to start with? Uh, let's, let's do the first one first. <laughs> you fucking asshole. All right. So music, for those of you that aren't <laughs> reading our show notes. <laughs> and for those of you who still believe in kayfabe, fucking A, Mark. <laughs> Well, you say, let's do the first one first, and everyone at home is going, like, what's the fucking first one? (laughs) 
Okay, all right. So music. Go ahead. What what did you pick for music? And I, the first two I knew instantly. I knew you were going to pick those, and I knew they were going to be number one. So oh, yeah. Um. So the the '90s for me were all about pop music. Uh. So I listened to a lot of boy bands. Uh. And I mean, the two biggest ones at the time were Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I feel like I should be including new kids on the block, but I was, they were like, I don't know, man, they passed me. I started with Backstreet Boys and they were great. I mean, it's Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I don't know how much I can say about them that hasn't already been said, but you I weren't mean, into the, the other one, 98 cents on the dollar, 98 degrees. Were. Yep. I mean, I listened to all of them, Mark. I also listened to O-Town and then saw O-Town like three or four years ago at a concert. And oh, is O-Town? Uh, they're another boy band from the 90s. I don't remember that one. Yeah, they sang a great song called All or Nothing. You should check it out. What about Hanson? Yeah, Hanson. I mean, all the boy bands. Just it, You can keep naming them. How about, how about Five? The uh, British sensation that was on the Disney Channel. <laughs> Sure. I'm, I, I knew Hanson and I knew 98 cents. That was that was all I got. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the the other one, which was like kind of th- they broke up and I didn't realize they had broken up, but they only ever did two albums for how big they got in the 90s. Savage Garden. They're a band that I feel like everyone says they're big and I know them as a band. I honestly don't think I can name three of their songs. I can name all of them. I can religiously sing all of their songs in the shower. Did did they do Black Hole Sun? No. That's oh. Soundgarden. Oh. Savage Garden was like truly madly deeply. Sure. Yeah. It's great. It's great music, especially if you like <laughs> 90s pop. And then to get Google a tiny now. little bit more legit because towards the end of the 90s I started to get more into like pop punk. Uh, so I, I threw Third Eye Blind in here, which I still love today. I uh, have an irrational hatred of Third Eye Blind that has only recently popped up. Uh, recently as within the last three weeks. Because uh, we have some new regulars at Conrad's that come in every Saturday and play like the entirety of Third Eye Blind's catalog on the jukebox. What day did you say? <laughs> Saturday. Oh, okay. Good to know. You don't, they're already playing it, so it's not like it's going to matter. It just means that I know when you're working. I mean, I've always worked Saturdays, you know that. I, I, I know it even more now. Putting it uh, in my so, phone. Unlike Savage Garden, I'd actually heard of Third Eye Blind, and I had no problems with them uh, until about three weeks ago, and now I hate them. <laughs> when I made the TV thing go away. All right, so my music was a little bit different. Uh-huh, a little bit. Oh, the end one's kind of the same. Uh, so the first one, you know, I, I thought of is probably the first one that anyone not with the last name Gagnon thinks of when you think of 90s music. Uh, and that was Nirvana. I prefer the Foo Fighters. Well, I mean, the Foo, Foo Fighters' first album literally was going to be Nirvana's next album. But yeah. then Courtney Love murdered Kurt Cobain. So, uh, But it's difficult. I thought he committed suicide. Yeah, that's what they want you to think. Uh, <laughs> when we do conspiracies in whiskey, I'll, I'll, I'll educate you. Uh, but the uh, it's difficult to s- discuss 
You know, everybody now, there is a, what's uh, the word I'm looking for, trope out there that, you know, Seinfeld is this, you know, was this uh, groundbreaking piece of television, this groundbreaking piece of media. But when you watch it today, it kind of stinks. And I'm, I was a Seinfeld guy. I never missed it when it was on TV. But now when you watch it, you're like, son of a bitch, this doesn't hold up at all. Like, yeah. this just is not funny. And the problem is, it's not that it doesn't hold up. It's just that literally everything has copied it so much that what made it groundbreaking, what made it shocking, what made it fresh doesn't exist anymore. You can't recapture the, whoa, that's different. And that's the way Nirvana is. Like, if I hear one more friggin' fucking Zoomer talk about how overrated Nirvana is as they're listening to the fucking Harry Styles band... Uh, when you came from hair metal in the 80s and like Poison and, you know, Twisted Sister and Glam Rock and all that, and then you had fucking Nirvana, literally everyone just stopped and went, huh, I guess. okay. I grew up in the 90s and I did not care for Nirvana and I still don't. It, that's fair, um, but they're another one. They haven't aged as well. Uh, I also was a big fan of Green Day, pre-sell at Green Day. Current Green Day sucks. They can go fuck themselves. Um, but before they took all the money and ran, uh, they were actually really good. Kerplunk, great album. Uh, Dookie is probably their best album, and it has that great album art. Uh, and if you want a slightly younger perspective, I prefer American Idiot over everything. That's fucking terrible. Uh, Nimrod is touch and go. Nimrod, about half the album's okay. Warning was probably the first sellout album. Like, Warning itself, the single was fine. The rest of the album sucked. Mm. Uh, I also like Bush at the time. First uh, record I ever actually bought was Bush Razorblade Suitcase. Oh, so, interesting. The first, the first actual album that I bought myself that wasn't a movie soundtrack was Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. And that wasn't until 2000. So we have to wait until the next next decade to talk about that. Uh, Early Green Day and pretty much all of Bush still holds up really well today. Um, Nirvana, it's touch and go. You know, it depends on the song, depends on the album. It's fine. Just skip it and listen to Foo Fighter. You can't really play Rape Me at a bar. No. It just doesn't doesn't really work. Uh, And then the last one I picked, just to try to tie in with DJ a little bit and to try to, you know, get on the same wavelength, is Britney Spears. Yeah, it's it's a very modern topic. She was just all over the news. She still is, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm a little worried about her. Bless her. Uh, But, you know, when we get to the 80s in whiskey, I was a big fan of Madonna. And Britney Spears easily could have been the next Madonna. And then... um, Numerous things happened that, you know, everyone knows about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she had a lot of talent. She had good looks. She had sort of the, you know, American girl story originally, the Mickey Mouse Club, the whole nine yards. Uh, when I was at Endicott, I actually took a class on American pop culture. And there, I still have the textbook upstairs. There's a whole chapter on Britney Spears mm-hmm. and just the rise of an American phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, hey. Go, Brittany, go. And she's apparently also is having a kid. She is. Yeah. Although I, she's older than us, so it's a little I, scary. With, like, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, the rise of boy bands, the rise of, like, 
you know, teen girl pop stars in the 90s, I feel like we started to see, and, and I feel like it fell out of favor later. Um, I feel like it doesn't happen quite as often, but these singers and these bands that were like crafted by music producers. Oh God. Yeah. And I didn't actually realize until like well after college that this is also how Korean and Japanese bands come around the, like, you know, to kind of tie it into a a cultural phenomenon today. If you look at, um, BTS, the, the Korean band that's really popular in the States right now, um, the Korean music industry and the Japanese pop music industries that, that both of them kind of do the same thing where they get a band together and they're like the music producers are driving this band forward. Whereas, you know, eighties and before a lot of it was like a music producer, a music uh, record company might, might, you know, offer and throw money at a band, but it was really the band presenting itself. And this was kind of the, the first time, the first decade where we see almost this manufactured hype, um, that, that gets generated and not to say, I mean, a debate could be had about the quality of the music that came out of that. Um, we could have an entire episode just on that, but I mean, I like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Uh, I don't know a lot of people who hated Britney Spears back then. Um, and I feel like this is that that decade where we started to see this like manufactured approach to pop music, which I f- I feel like is really where modern hipsterism comes from. That's a lot of it. You also, I mean, and and that's where a lot of there's the running joke that, um, you know, cassettes and a tracks and vinyls sound better, and that is true to an extent, but it, it's not necessarily the format itself. It's because the vast majority of the stuff they were left in like mistakes were left in, mm-hmm. you know, static was left in. This was left in. Whereas when you had the rise of the boy bands and you had the rise of everything else, that's when you started getting into the digital music and the super edited multi-track, you know, down to the minutia, every little fucking thing, industrialized process sound. Uh, you know, so even you could put like a Backstreet Boys album on vinyl, it's not going to sound a whole hell of a lot better because it's in the way that it's produced. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think like I, I mean maybe it's just because of the fact that um, you and I like were finally aware of things in the early '90s. Uh, I I feel like radio edits were a big deal for pop music in the '90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's got to be three minutes or less. Can't have any swears. We've got to make everybody happy. And it's the classic age-old media thing. You have to leave people wanting more. Like, you know, when was the first time someone told you, oh, it's the radio version of that song? Wait, what, what? There's another version? What? Mm-hmm. You know, and got to go buy the album. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, my next topic is um, film. I think I'm going to skip down to film. Yeah, I'm going to skip down to film. Um, I didn't do film. Yeah, I figured I'd do one that you didn't do. Um, And there were so many fucking movies in the 90s, but I wanted to highlight four that were big for me in the 90s. Um, So first one is Batman Forever. 
I I can't claim that it's the most amazing Batman film ever made, uh, but it is what introduced me to my favorite comic book character, Robin. So uh, it has a soft spot in my heart. Also, Jim Carrey is both um, just unhinged and terrifying and amazing in that movie. Pretty terrible Sega Genesis adaptation. I had it. Yeah. Uh, then The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich. Ha, got it. Uh, amazing movie. I've watched it like th- probably 30 or 40 times at this point. It's just such a good movie. Tell me you've seen this movie, Mark. Oh, I've seen it. It's so good. Uh, and then Independence Day, uh, Will Smith and the dude from Jurassic Park. Um... Oh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yes, that you one. You sprung that on me. I did. It was a pop quiz. Um, that was a great movie. Um, I, I also feel like it was... I feel like that movie hits different now. Um, not necessarily because there's an alien invasion or anything now, but because, <laughs> because I feel like the patriotism in that movie uh, definitely feels a little bit different to me after 9-11. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's that. I mean, it's it's difficult to, you know, look at any Will Smith movie in the same light, not just uh, in regards, you know, to the Emmys, just, I mean, he's a fucking train wreck. <laughs> dude is, the dude is a walking meme the last year and a half, two years, and not in a good way. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, the opposite way with Jeff Goldblum. We kind of made him a meme, and he's just like, cool, you're going to pay me for this? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, He's been pretty great. And, I mean, I think they actually made a sequel at some point. I didn't see it. I didn't either. I've heard bad things. Speaking of things that have terrible sequels. Batman Forever and uh, Batman and Robin? (laughs) No. (laughs) The Matrix. Oh, yeah. I didn't see the new one of these either. Uh, The Matrix came out in 1999, which is absolutely bonkers to me that that movie was a 90s movie. Um, But, I mean, one of the most seminal films of, I feel like, our generation. And all they had to do was just stop. (laughs) They they Just make The Matrix. (coughs) Go make V for Vendetta. Go make Speed Racer. I liked that movie. I know I was the only one, but I enjoyed that movie. Make those three and just stop. I don't hate the Matrix sequels, but I feel like that's going to get me just plastered to a wall. I mean, the second one was, I was going to say fine, but that's not even, the second one's tolerable. I mean, I went with the old man to see the second one, and he was like, what the fuck did you take me to? And I was like, the first one was better, (laughs) honest. The third one, I feel like everyone was just done and they were like, let's just end it. Well, cool. How about an ending? No. Let's just end it. <laughs> Fair. All right. What, what are you going to cover? Oh, I got to do one that you didn't do. Uh, I got to do fashion. <laughs> because the, uh, the 90s had some of the greatest, most hideously tacky fashion there ever was. Uh, of course you're going to put fucking Junko jeans. See, I didn't have any Junko jeans, so I didn't put it on the list. He's editing my list, folks. I'm breaking kayfabe here. He's editing my list while I'm talking to you. 
but Zubaz, the greatest thing on the face of the earth. Zubaz still exists. I, I discovered this a couple of weeks ago that Zubaz as a company still exists. And if you watched any professional wrestling or any bodybuilding or American Gladiators or anything like that in the 90s, uh, you knew Zubaz. And they're basically really baggy sweatpants, but they're made out of like yoga pant material. And they're really tight at the ankles, and they have, like, elastic at the waist. And then they're just baggy the rest of the way. So imagine, like, hammer pants, but yoga pants. And they only come in zebra print of the most insane pastel color combinations you have ever seen in your life. Because that's another thing. All the list, everything was pastels. Oh, yeah. Sports team colors. Uh, sneakers, T-shirts, Zubaz, you name it. Everything was pinks and purples and teal. Uh, The teal Game Boy, I had a teal Game Boy. I thought I was the most badass son of a bitch on the planet. I had the most 90s fucking thing there was. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just like that weird silvery purple and salmon color and fuchsia and everything. Just, oh, pastels out the ass. Uh, Look at some of the early Mighty Ducks uniforms or the Toronto Raptors or things. Uh, do you remember the L.A. Gear sneakers, DJ? Did you have some of these? I had some of these. No, I, that, I, it's actually really amusing. I had to put one on your list that I actually had heard of. Oh, my God. No, L.A. Gear. No, see, I'm sure you've heard of L.A. Gear. You just don't know the name. They were the sneakers that had the little lights in them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably had them. Yeah, those are the L.A. Gear. They were the high tops. They actually signed a deal with Walmart. In the 80s, L.A. Gear actually was like a legitimate sportswear company like Nike and Reebok. They went bankrupt. They signed an exclusive deal with Walmart to make kid shoes. They came up with the fucking little light-up sneakers, and it kept them in business another 25 goddamn years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I, I had one pair of those, but I was so ADD that I couldn't stop looking at them, and I just kept walking into shit, so my parents took them away. <laughs> I had a couple. My favorite pair, they were all all black, and they didn't have laces. They had uh, Velcro, because I don't have time for laces. Mm-hmm. They were all black. They didn't have laces, and they had red lights in the heels. They were the fucking balls. Mm. And then, all right, do the Junko jeans. I didn't have any of these. I know of them, but I didn't have any of these. Yeah, uh, so th- this was like the one fashion thing I think I really participated in in the 90s, and it was these pants that I, I feel like they were a response to bell bottoms, but they, they were, you know, they were cinched tight at your waist, like a normal pair of pants, and then just got bigger down the leg that you went and never stopped. So, like, whereas a normal jean would be like, you know, a boot cut or something like that, and it would just go straight down your leg, this just kept getting wider and wider and wider, until you could fit, like, a large dog into the bottom of your pants. And it was ridiculous. And the whole point of these were you would, you would get a pair that covered your shoes, and then you would wear a super skinny T-shirt. So you weirdly just kind of looked like a pyramid. Because your bottom would be ballooned out and your your top would be super, like, tight and skinny. Well, the thing, I, other thing I was going to put on there, and I'm looking now, and holy shit, they actually still exist, and I can't believe this, and I might have to buy a pair. 
I never had a pair as a kid, but I always wanted them. Did you ever have a pair of ruse? Mm, I don't think so. They were shoes, sneakers with pockets. Oh, God. And the, their advertising campaign was ruse, shoes for your feet and pockets for your stuff. And basically, they had one small pocket on each shoe. And uh, now that I'm older, of course, as a kid, I, I never knew this. And I wonder if this is the reason why my mother, you know, never let me buy them. Uh, well, that and they probably were really fucking expensive. But uh, people used to put their Coke and their weed in there. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's about all you could fit. In these little pockets, but uh, ruse are actually still fucking available. I'm looking at these, but I I didn't put those on the list because I never had a pair, but they were still very big. I can remember being a kid and being like, oh, shoes for your feet, pockets for your stuff. Yay. (laughs) I do want to point out that Jenko's Jenko jeans exists right now. So does Zubaz. (laughs) (laughs) I I own a pair of Zubaz still. They're glorious. I'm I'm looking at the Jenko jeans website and somebody has fit like an extreme 90s bag of goldfish into their back pocket of these jeans. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to I got to look away. It's the most 90 shit ever. I'm going to I'm going to send you a picture of my fucking Zubaz when it comes in and you're going to know fucking 90 shit. Um all right, so what is, uh, what are you doing next? All right, I figure we can knock out TV. Okay. All right, so uh, TV, um, really big and started in the 90s and kind of started a, a cultural craze that went well into the 2000s, uh, is the X Games. I really thought you were saying TV started in the 90s, and I was like, oh, buddy. No. <laughs> buddy, hang on a minute. <laughs> no, we all know that started in the 80s. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, the X Games, um, it, it's basically a response to the whole extreme culture of the 90s. Everything was live it out loud and have baggy jeans and skateboard and hurt yourself. And commercials were crazy and the candy was crazy and the food was crazy. We'll get to that in a minute. So back then, uh, they popularized on this. So the initial, um, the, the initial X games happened in 95. It was called the extreme games. <clears throat> games and it was held in Newport, Rhode Island and Providence, Rhode Island. There was a skateboarding street competition, a barefoot water ski water ski jumping competition, a street luge, BMX dirt biking, uh skateboarding uh skateboard vert ramps, um BMX vert ramps. Uh, dual downhill mountain biking. It's just all extreme crazy bullshit, right? Nowadays, they do um, summer X Games and winter X Games. Uh, It's always got motocross, uh, skateboarding, BMX. Um, Then there's usually something hosted by Red Bull nowadays. And there's also esports leagues as part of the X Games now, which I didn't realize. Um, but the current summer X games, 
uh, had Call of Duty, Rocket League, and Counter-Strike as part I, of the X Games. I hate it. <laughs> um, as for winter, uh, there's a ton of skiing stuff, but it's all like, rather than the Olympics where it's like the jump or the slalom, it's like super pipe or slope style or big air. Uh, then there's snowboarding. Um, sometimes they do bullshit like snowmobile cr- crap and... It, it's it's bonkers, um, and I you know it, it's always hosted by energy drinks nowadays, and it, it gets pretty pretty bonkers. I do try to catch it when I know it's coming, just because I do actually enjoy watching skateboarding still. Um, but yeah, it was all the rage back then. Uh, and then, in terms of things I would have been watching in the nineties. Uh, that weren't the X Games. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers started in the 90s. Uh, it was the first um, Power Rangers show. Uh, it was also the first time we took... I think it's the first time that we took something that was just utterly Japanese and we bastardized it for ourselves. So we used all of the same like monster footage and city footage and just turned it into an American city with American actors. Uh, so yeah, if you if, if you're ever curious, they still do it today. So the Japanese show is called Super Sentai, uh, and then we make it into a Power Rangers thing over here. Uh, and then the '90s began my weird obsession with the show Frasier. Yeah, I gave you that one because I also watched Frasier, but I knew you were going to talk about it. Yeah, I I I just love Frasier. It's very. It's not. It hasn't aged incredibly well. But I will say that if you watch Frasier for everyone who isn't the main character, it's an amazing show. If you watch it specifically for Kelsey Grammer's character, you'll be disappointed. Oh, I like Frasier. I mean, not as much as I like Niles, but I like Frasier. I mean, he's a train wreck, though. Well, that's the point of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so he's rough to watch sometimes, but but it's a very worthwhile show. What do you got it for is. TV? I've actually got my wife hooked on Frasier recently because it's on Antenna TV now, and she had never watched it first run because she was, like, in college when Frasier was on, so. Amazing. All right. Uh, for TV, uh, I'll pick another one that, like, well, the early stuff's still great, the first 12 seasons, but, man, if you watch it now, just don't. The Simpsons. Yeah. And this is another one that, you know, we have so many just shitty adult cartoons, you know, there's whatever eight or nine fucking god-awful things Seth MacFarlane pulls out of his ass on a given day that Fox puts on. Uh, Bob's Burgers is okay. Bob's Burgers is great. South Park jumped a shark about 30 seasons ago. Yeah, that one can Uh, die. King of the Hill was gone. That one was good, but it's gone. Uh, But The Simpsons was the first. They were the one to start it. I mean, the last mainstream primetime cartoons before The Simpsons were The Flintstones and The Jetsons. Oh, man. I watched those back to back. (laughs) And again, this is another thing, uh, especially if you watch the show now where, like, literally it's just like, please let it die. It is so bad. It is difficult to explain. Literally, the president of the United States referenced Bart Simpson in a speech. Today? Like, no, like in the, in 90s. the 90s. Oh, okay. Jo- George Bush the first. We need more families like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. 
Jeez. Uh, like, I, you know, it's just, and now you watch it and you're like, I mean, yeah, the writing sucks, but what was he all upset about? I mean, just to have, you know, any cartoons were for kids. They were Saturday morning fair. They were there to sell toys. And then a family basically shows up and, you know, curses and does this and does that. And it's on in prime time. And really, in a lot of ways, it's deconstructing the American dream and being like, yeah, like this Reagan era prosperity, this is just turning people into a bunch of fat, lazy assholes. Yeah. Uh, Directly behind it on Sunday nights uh, was my other obsession as a child, the X-Files. I never got into it. Oh, it's... So good. When the main cast is together, it's so good. The various seasons when either Gillian Anderson is off having a kid or David Duchovny's off screwing Taylor Leone or whatever he was doing, um, they're not as good. But when the main cast is all together, they are so phenomenal. And uh, just great tribute to the old like shows like Kolchak the Night Stalker and different Monster of the Week shows. It had good conspiracy elements it kind of had an overarching, like, myth plot arc, but it kind of really didn't. So, like, you could miss a lot of episodes, and it didn't really matter. Most of them were self-contained. You had, you know, Dana Scully, who was this by-the-book scientist, had all these degrees, was a doctor, like, seven times over, and needed to find the data and the logic. And, you know, then you had Fox Mulder, who was basically doing lines in the basement of the Pentagon going, Ghosts! <laughs> And, like, it was just so fucking good. Um, and it followed The Simpsons when The Simpsons was good. And then the last thing, because I knew you were going to take Frasier, so I struggled for another one because Titus actually came out in 2000. So couldn't do it. Uh, so, But I picked cartoon cartoons in general on Cartoon Network. Yeah. And because, again, by the time the cartoon cartoons came out, which was 1997 you had devolved the other way in that pretty much all the cartoons were for adults now. You had The Simpsons. You had King of the Hill. You had the first 17 iterations of Family Guy because it kept getting canceled eight or nine times. Uh, You had South Park. Saturday morning cartoons were pretty much gone. Um, You know, 97, I was in junior high. By the time I was in high school, there were no more Saturday morning cartoons, at least around here. There still aren't. You put on TV on Saturday mornings, there's like a shitty-ass nature program now. Uh, that's on, like, it's the same show on every channel. I guess mm-hmm. they all just lease it. Lease it. I don't know. Uh, so the idea of original cartoons for kids was really radical within the span of about 10 years. And they were so fucking good. I mean, you had Ed and Ed, Ed, Ed Nettie, Dexter's Lab... Uh, Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff Girls. I think that was the first one, actually. Yeah. Uh, Codename Kids Next Door. I mean, they're just, they were all so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And now they're all gone, too. <laughs> it makes me sad. I mean, some of them are getting revivals now, though. Like Johnny Power- Bravo. Powerpuff Girls is getting a revival. Yeah, but it's live action, and no one wants to see it. No. There's a cartoon. But I think is it's... There? I think it's... I, I think a lot of things that are being revived are kind of doing the Teen Titans Go thing. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. No, we're not. Uh, all right, so the next... Oh, before we move on to my next category, I feel like we can't leave the 90s without referencing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, it's fine. See, that was my Monster of the Week show that I was obsessed with. I didn't get into the X-Files at all, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer... Ah, so good. My problem was I saw the movie before I saw the show. 
And it was just like, cool, none of these people are the same. <laughs> so. Honestly, I, I saw the show. I started from episode one, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Uh, What's-her-name is a fucking national treasure and needs to be saved. Uh, but otherwise, eh. I don't hate it. I don't love it. Unbelievable. Can't believe we're friends. Anywho, uh, so... At least I, you didn't say Millennium. Oh, <laughs> the X-Files spinoff. My, the old man loved fucking Millennium. I just, I didn't get it. it no. so dry. And it was about cults. And you know how much I love cults. But yeah. it wasn't good. Uh, I do want to talk about video games. As we should. Now, granted, this is not one of our, like, hot takes or console wars episodes where we cover video games. But, um... 90s video game culture was just like normal 90s pop culture. It was all about... I, I remember the first video game ads I remember seeing were for the Game Boy Pocket. Remember the Play It Loud campaign? God, you were such a child. <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember. Sega does what Nintendo don't. I don't. I legitimately oh, don't I remember. Do. <laughs> I um, do. But, I mean, the 90s is when I got my Super Nintendo. The 90s is when I got my N64. Like, there were a ton of fucking systems... Um, but to kind of highlight some of the things that came out, of course, I have to mention Pokemon. Um, Pokemon arrived in the U.S. around 98. And, I mean, in two years, took the fucking nation by storm easy. Like, I, I was playing all of the games. Um, and it was... Uh, Pokemon launched with the Game Boy Color, I'm pretty sure, right around the same time. So it was when I first got my Game Boy Color. Um, but the Play It Loud... Uh, ad campaign was pretty genius because it was the first Game Boy that you could get in different colored shells. Yep. So uh, I had a green one. There was, I remember my favorite ad campaign compared them to condiments. So I got relish and I think my brother got mustard or something like that. Um, we got the N64 and the dawn of 3D gaming and all the polygons that came with it. Uh, we also got Final Fantasies 3 through 8, though only a portion of those came over to the United States. Um, though, luckily, uh, in the 90s was when they stopped just bringing Final Fantasy over piecemeal. Uh, by the time we got to the end of the 90s with uh, 7 and 8, each new entry was coming over to the States around the same time. And Tony Hawk's Pro Skater started, I think it was 98, very late in the 90s. But again, you know, X Games in 95, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater in 98 definitely launched this kind of craze that we get in the 2000s with skate culture. Um, but it, it was the first, right? It was the first skateboarding video game that you could, you know, play in 3D. It was pretty amazing. Well, it was the first skateboarding game. But if you remember, there was a whole series of the extreme sports games. There were. You had uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. You had Dave Mira Freestyle BMX. Mm -hmm. uh, Kelly Slater attempted to make a pro surfing game. She did, yeah. And, and this was the the '90s was the era where we got games named after sports celebrities. Like Wayne Gretzky had a hockey game. I'm pretty sure. Was yeah, it was an arcade like NBA Jam style. Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. I had that. Yeah. You know, I do as a historian, I do have to take uh, some umbrage with you claiming that the N64 brought 3D gaming when both the Saturn and the Atari Jaguar had done it years before. Uh, not, not to mention the Neo Geo. Uh -huh. but I'm, yeah, I'm the just, N64 just and the PlayStation popularized 3D gaming. They popularized it, but they didn't invent it. Okay. 
Wow. So uh, I'm a little amazed, but you know, considering that you apparently were like in the womb, I'm a little amazed you didn't pick any of our boys. So I'll defend his honor. Uh, Sonic Three, which came out in 1993, <laughs> yeah. and Knuckles. Oh, you know, that's we're... right. My my favorite Sonic game, 3D Blast, came out in the 90s. Oh God. <laughs> oh. oh. So. <laughs> it just oh just I hate you so much today. <laughs> I just I fucking hate you today. Uh, no, we were plugging games into other games, and uh, that was more great advertising. There was blast processing. You know, the Sega Genesis had blast processing in its chipset. They never uh, Sega never actually revealed what that meant. They just said you know the 16-bit Sega Genesis with blast processing. Uh, we all thought it was cool as a kid. It actually turns out it was nothing. It was just something they made up for marketing. It didn't actually exist. Uh, a little bit later on, and it actually was a couple, it was two years after the movie, and I always forget this, was GoldenEye, which basically created the modern first-person shooter as we know it on consoles. Mm-hmm. Doom, Doom, of course, you know, popularized first-person shooter. But up until that point, it was strictly for the PC, strictly over the LAN. Uh, and then GoldenEye came and proved that you know it could be very popular on a console, and it could also uh, also make a licensed game good. And then I had to throw this one in for one PC game and for one you know we're all talking about good games here. I had to talk about one bad game uh, in the '90s. I was hooked on a game called Streets of Sim City, and so in the '90s there was this big fad in vehicular combat games. You had your Twisted Metals. Oh, you had, I love uh, Twisted Metal. Vigilante 8. Um, there was that one, what was it, like Route 72 or whatever the hell it was. Well, Streets of SimCity was another game like that where you basically built cars and armored them up and put weapons on them. But the gimmick was you could import the cities that you built in SimCity 2000 and then drive through them completely in 3D, shooting missiles and shit. Jeez. And it was awesome when it worked, <laughs> which was one of about 10 times you booted this, the, the fucking thing up. Uh, it was a terrible game. It was just broken. It was shovelware. Uh, but the, the few times when, you, uh, when it worked, it was great. And if you had the time and the patience, you could actually make some really fun layouts in SimCity 2000 import them and if i remember correctly importing them was stupid easy like literally it was just dragging and dropping a file from one folder to another because they shared a lot of programming files which is probably why it didn't run right but uh it that was a really cool game yeah the 90s were also like it was a weird time with video game culture because we were it it was the next D &D, right you know it there was a satanic panic with video games in the 90s and uh, I mean, with Doom, that was kind of justified. It, I mean, it was, <laughs> but uh, I remember uh, re- picking up a book in the library. I have a copy of it somewhere in this library I'm sitting in, um, but it was called Game Over, and it was literally about. I have that. Yeah, it was about a devil uh, creating an arcade and making kids kill each other with the arcade games. Oh, but, no, I don't have that. I thought you meant the history book on Nintendo. No. <laughs> That's no, the one I have. <laughs> no, I have the fiction book that was literally the satanic panic of the 90s. Uh, well, no, because they talk about the satanic panic in the book and how Nintendo was you know, trying to get Sega banned. Never mind. There was a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, we're still talking about it these days because the 90s was also when Columbine happened. Womp womp. Yeah, but, well, well, we don't have the time to get into that. No, we're going to skip it. Uh, What's your next one? Oh, fuck. Well, we skipped around. Uh, Well, I picked sports because I knew you wouldn't. Yeah. But me being me, I didn't pick, like, your traditional stuff. Uh, the 90s are thought of very fondly for your Attitude Era wrestling. You know, uh, pro pro wrestling is still thought of today because it's kind of reverted back to this. It's just cartoony comic book superheroes doing ridiculous things. And, you know, you have stupid gimmicks like you're a garbage man and, you know, you're a hockey player and you're this and you're that. Uh, in the Attitude Era, that changed. You just had people that were just regular guys and, they would fight, and there was blood, and there was beer drinking, and there was cursing, and there was middle finger giving, and there was chopping of your crotch and thrusting of your hips in a gyrotous manner. Uh, you, uh, you know, you had a lot of skin being shown, a lot of sex. You had, you know, women beating up men, men beating up women, all stuff that's very taboo today. And it really became more of a raunchy soap opera as opposed to a kid's cartoon show. And... No one, you know, wrestling was never more popular than it was, at least nationally. I mean, during the territories, wrestling was more popular in different parts of the country within the territory. But nationally, wrestling was never more popular than it was. I mean, every Monday, people more than 12 million people a week were watching pro wrestling. Mm. And that was two television shows that were airing against one another. Jeez. So they were, they were actually splitting the fan base. Nowadays, you have four television shows a week. None of them run up against each other, and they're not even drawing half that. So, eh. But, I mean, Attitude Era Wrestling, it's great, uh, especially if you were alive for it. Uh, The other thing that still pisses me off to this day, you had the IndyCar split. You had CART, and you had the Indy Racing League. They broke away in 1994 and formed two separate leagues, and they were split for 14 years. It wasn't until uh, 2008 that they merged again, and IndyCar has still not recovered from this, uh, basically because a rich kid decided that he wanted to run everything. Uh, Tony George, fuck you, Tony George, wherever you are. Fucking prick. <laughs> uh, but he basically ran everything into the ground. And now, like, you know, everybody talks. Mark? Punch him in the face or spit in his face, but I do something. Hey, Mark, we we lost you there. So, George, here's the long and the short of it. All right. Uh, I started the recording back up. All right. I don't know where I went. But, yeah, fuck Tony George. He's a fucking asshole. He killed IndyCar. And he ruined this recording. Apparently. So, no, it's, you know, people say that if, if you know, oh, if I see so-and-so out on the street, I, I'd run up to him and I'd do this. I actually would. I don't know if I'd hit him or if I'd spit on him, but I would actually do something. If I ever saw Tony George on the street, hmm. prick. Uh, and then you also, this was the era of big expansion. This is when professional sports became big money. Uh, basketball, baseball, football, hockey. Everybody's adding teams left, right, and center. They're adding teams that have no business in places getting teams like Anaheim and Phoenix and Toronto and Vancouver. Most of these teams have moved or such since. Um, massive television contracts, multi-million dollars, multi-years. Uh, ESPN becomes a thing that's still, you know, a thorn in our side to this day. This was all uh, happening in the 90s. It was. Much to my chagrin. 
But all right, what was one you didn't have? All right, so the last category I've got is food in the 90s because, like, everything else, it was weird and extreme and pastel-colored and might have killed us. But the first thing that got really popular in the 90s was pizza bites. See, I call them bagel bites. And I, I still eat them today. I have a box upstairs. I feel like it depends on who, who you talk to, but uh, I remember like Totino's Pizza Bites being really popular in the See, 90s. those are pizza rolls. And I, and I have also, those upstairs, too. I also remember uh, Bagel Bites. So I might be conflating the two in my head in my weird, sick in the state. But, uh, okay, so Totino's Pizza Rolls and I don't remember the company, but Bagel Bites. I definitely prefer Pizza Rolls. Well, see, I was always on Team Bagel Bite, but... Within the last six months, eight months, however long it's been, the Totino's people have started printing directions in the bag for air fryer pizza <laughs> rolls. And seven minutes, you're done, and they're perfect. That's amazing. So I actually had some yesterday, in fact, in the air fryer. They're so good. Uh, we also got Uncrustables. Oh, I hated these. I hated them. They were so nasty. <laughs> they were awful. It was a, like, frozen pita pocket, complete, like, you couldn't see the inside at all. Uh, like, P- it was a frozen PB&J, which, why? It was it was bad. Like, if you let it get warm, it got mushy and gr- It just was the worst food. But to follow that up, Dunkaroos, pretty legit. Yeah, Dunkaroos are delicious. I saw it in the store today. I had to go to the store today. They're making a Dunkaroos breakfast cereal now. Yep. It's $6 a box, so I said no. Yeah, um, fair. But Dunkaroos are fantastic. Yeah, they were basically like sweet graham crackers that you would dip in this little pouch of frosting. They literally sent us to school with cake. But nothing tasted like that Dunkaroo frosting. No. Nothing no. before or since. No, it was so fucking good. Um, and then uh, the, I think it was Heinz made yep. green and purple ketchup. I never this? bought any. Yeah, I remember it. I never bought any just because it was like, it's, I, see, I was never a ketchup guy anyway. I was always a Frank's Red Hot guy, but it's like, it's ketchup, man. Just buy the bottle of ketchup. Yeah. Um, I, my brothers and I convinced my parents to buy both of them. And uh, the purple ketchup was tasted way better than the green ketchup. There, <laughs> there was a where they marked, were flavored. Yeah, there, there was a marked taste. I mean, they were only supposed to taste like ketchup, but when you dye something red that violent of a color, it's going to taste different. Uh, and then, let's see, Lunchables got really popular in the 90s. Yep. Um, yeah, still, still the most ghetto pizza you can ever have. Oh, my God. But it they, they made... Like late nineties, they made like super the lunchables. Big lunchables. Yeah, yeah, the, the big, big lunchables. Yeah, and the ones that had like the soft crust pizzas, those were legit. Well, I have to give credit to the lunchables marketing people because they realized that we're, you know, our generation is our age now. Yeah. So they are marketing them for the gym bros now. There are Lunchables protein packs. No. Yes, with just all meat and nuts and cheese that's, to go to the just to go to the gym. No carbs. That's ridiculous. Um, we also got 
uh, crazy sodas. We got things like Mellow Yellow. We got Love it. Surge. Love it. Uh, we got Orbits. They were fine. I loved Orbits. They, um, see, I I distinctly I only had them a few times because they always were wicked expensive. Mm-hmm. But I distinctly remember them just not tasting like anything. They didn't taste bad. They just didn't taste like anything. I I think I mean today I feel like it's more of a gimmick than anything else. Wait, they still make them? I feel like I've seen Orbits. Maybe Jesus, I have I have to look. Uh, anywho, um, Sobe also started in the '90s, but I don't feel like it got popular till the 2000s. Yeah, that was a later thing. That was like Arizona. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's so many crazy things. Um, I don't remember. Do you remember when Mountain Dew Code Red came out? Was that, that, was that nineties? I feel like that was early two thousands because Pepsi blue was early two thousands. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up real quick. You were forgetting the greatest of all the nineties sodas though. What did I forget? Crystal Pepsi. Oh yeah. Crystal Pepsi. See, I was... I feel like when it gets to 2000, I'm going to have way more to talk about because uh, I was way more of a Pepsi Blue guy than I was a Crystal Pepsi guy. I used to drink Pepsi Blue. Of course, I go all across Hell and Creation now for like the two weeks a year they bring back Crystal Pepsi. It's just, it's fantastic. It's clear, but it's a cola. It is. Um, I, I don't understand why they won't just make it. It has to be cheaper for them to produce. You're literally not adding something to it. It's the same formula, just no food coloring. Yeah. Have you ever made like a Jack and Coke or like, I guess a Jack and Pepsi with Crystal Pepsi? No, (laughs) I just, I have to drink it straight. I just, (laughs) I was very small when Crystal Pepsi came out and I just have these very fond memories of sitting in the back of the Bronco with the old man towing the race car when he was still racing and, you know, drinking a 20 ounce Crystal Pepsi and getting all sugared up and spending the day at the track and, you know, that's why I can't swim now, but those are fond memories. Mm. So I usually just guzzle a Crystal Pepsi as soon as... Well, I usually buy three or four at a time and guzzle one of them immediately. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, something that got insanely popular in the 90s were the... It, they kind of changed confections that you could get out of ice cream trucks. And a lot of them were themed around, like, 90s cartoon characters. So, like, the Sonic had one... And uh, Ninja, Turtles. Ninja Turtles had one. There was a Power Ranger one for a while. Nowadays, there's a SpongeBob one. Um, and they all taste exactly the same. Yeah. They, they all they're t- all vanilla icing with just food color. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they'd be sherbet. Um, wh- what was your pick at the ice cream truck when it came by? Well, see, at the ice cream truck, I usually... Uh, if I didn't get the giant cookie sandwich with the chocolate chips in the middle... If I was getting a character one, I usually got Sonic or Michelangelo. Nice. But my overall confectionery thing, and you used to get them in stores, and I don't know if they still make them. I don't think they do. At least you can't get them around here. I was a Flintstone push pop kid. Oh, man. Yeah, that was huge in the 90s, too. I used to eat those motherfuckers like three at a time in yeah. the summer. <laughs> they were so messy. Oh, God. Yeah, they were melted in the box. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the, the one, uh, later in the nineties, I caught wise, but early on, I, it would always be either Spider-Man or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Later on, I would always go for the rainbow snow cone cause it lasted the longest out of all of the things you could get out of the ice cream truck. I feel like we failed. We didn't talk about Capri Suns. Yeah. I mean, it, Capri Suns 
if you ever really want to know what 90s pop culture was like for kids in the 90s, go look up 90s Capri Sun commercials, and that's all I'm going to say about it. And Sunny Delight commercials, too. And Sunny... Fuck Sunny Delight. We did you? Were you a Sunny Delight kid? I have a bottle upstairs right now. I can't drink it anymore. <laughs> it is so sweet. Oh, man. Uh, my, my buddy uh, Ryan and I grew up drinking Sunny D... And uh, it's, it is orange drink. It is not orange juice. It is orange drink. <laughs> and it's just very sweet, and it will take the enamel off your teeth. Hey, I just had a cleaning. Doc says I'm all fixed up. Y- you, yeah. Mm-hmm. You also had to have mouth surgery in the last year. It's two years now. <laughs> but yes. Time has no meaning. Oh, Lord. All right. So is that it? Is it, that the 90s and, and in a nutshell? It is. Yeah. 90s were a time. The pictures of me from the 90s look like You a had thing. frosted tips, didn't you? Uh, my brother did. I had, I had moose slicked back hair. Yeah, I had a lot of moose. I did the thing where uh, you like spiked like your bangs. Mm-hmm. That, I did that in else. the 2000s. Uh, see, I did that in like 98, 99, 2000, 2001. But that, I didn't have frosted tips. I didn't have any coral necklaces. I had Zubaz. I still have Zubaz. Fanny packs. I was a fanny pack kid. Next time I come to Pennsylvania, you're going to have to wear the Zubaz. Okay. I'll wear <laughs> That's just okay. <laughs> if I remember this week, I will take a picture in the Zubaz. Yeah, do it. If I remember this week. All right, everybody, thanks for listening today. We're sorry it took us so long to get another episode out. It's just it's just been a lot. Um, but we, of course, want to thank you for listening. We would love it if you could subscribe. Pre-save us on Spotify. Uh, if you think of it, give us that rating on iTunes. Definitely helps us move up in the charts. Um, we are online, uh, www.thewitandwhiskeycast.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Wit and Whiskey Cast. Uh, you can reach out and let us know how you like the show or if there's a whiskey you recommend you want us to try. Uh, email us, thewitandwhiskeycast at gmail.com. Uh, we're all over the place, but you can usually find all of the various places on Podbean or Listen Notes. Uh, and we release at 8 a.m. on Fridays. Mark, what are we doing next week? Well, we have a few different options. I mean, we're going to be in episode seven. Up, no, yeah, seven. Yeah. Up in here. Uh, I have multiple tabs open. So I was like, six, seven, nine, twelve. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, were, we were talking baby stuff. We were talking, uh, we still have some collecting stuff we could talk about. We, uh, we don't want to do another decade because we just talked about the decades. Um, now that just went away. That doesn't help. Uh, where did no? I just I literally just had the list that we had we the running list we've been keeping and it it closed on me for whatever reason. Uh, as soon as I pulled it up, it decided to close. All right, we're the disasters. Yeah. Okay. We already did disasters. Uh, decades. Well, hmm. 
Head cannon and whiskey could be fun. Ooh. Um, we could do another console wars in whiskey. What's up next? Isn't it GameCube? Well, no, we did that. It, so we'd be either moving into the modern era or we'd be going back. We could do NES versus Master System versus Atari. We, and I could just hear your excitement oozing through the, the microphone. We could. I, I don't know anything about most of those. I know Duck well, Hunt. You know Duck Hunt. You know, I think this could actually be interesting. A weird version of Hot Takes... And, and, you know, this is just spawned by recent events, i.e. today. Why don't we pick two or three things that each one of us loves that we know the other one hates? <laughs> I mean, you, you, have blue, you have blue people avatar. I do. Which, you know, you got to be excited. There apparently was a new blue people trailer. Yeah, um... There's a new trailer, and uh, there's a new part of Disney World, so that, that'll be fun. They're like two of your favorite things. Yeah. And you could do Far Cry 5. Right, and we could find t- probably two more each. <laughs> well, I'm calling this one Hut Takes and Whiskey Rivalry. Ooh. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Again, thanks to Nuna Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. We'll send you to his SoundCloud in our show notes and keep an eye out for uh, those two books of his out on Amazon. Uh, but until next time, cheers. Salud.